0: Let's pray before we read God's Word. Lord Jesus, we come to celebrate you and to meet you, and you tell us that you came as the Word who became flesh. And so we pray that the words that are thought, prayed, spoken, read, and sung today may take on life, may take on flesh and blood as we hear them and live them moving forward. This we pray in your holy name, amen. So our scripture verse today is just one verse from the Gospel of John, John 1 verse 14. And this is the message version, so the message is a paraphrase, so it's not a direct translation, it's um, Eugene Peterson saying, this is what I think they really meant and I'm not bound by the original Greek. Let's just say it that way. That said, Eugene Peterson did know his Greek and all that kind of stuff. Anyways, I find it helpful that if you have gone to many, many Christmas um, services and heard many, many times the different verses and passages, particularly John 1, 14, for example, to hear it in this language helps you go, huh, I wonder about that. And then I'll explain it a whole lot more. Hear the word of God. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one of a kind glory like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. He's wearing a tie, he's standing at a lectern and he has notes, something is going wrong. little known fact camping is the key to christmas has anyone ever seen a a crèche or a manger scene with a tent in it anyone that's how little known the fact is that camping is the key to christmas we're going to fix that today don't worry talia i'm not going to set up a tent in your beautiful display i'm just going to symbolically give jesus his tent camping is the key to to christmas so the niv of the verse i just read says and the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us or dwelt among us dwelt hang on to that word the message we just read the word became flesh and blood and moved into our neighborhood you can feel that one right it's like jesus is coming to, to live next door to you and to me now that word dwelt is skene, and I know you always want to know what the Greek guy, everyone remembers skene, that's a very helpful word for you. I'll say it a few more times. It means, literally, to dwell as in a tent, or to camp, or in Bible terms, to tabernacle. So in the Old Testament, when Israel went on a journey, God lived among them in a tent, but that tent was called a tabernacle, which means tent, by the way right? It was a worship tent. And so, when Jesus comes into the world, John, who I am absolutely convinced always chooses his words with extreme precision, said the word took on flesh and blood and he moved into a tent among us. Now, I happen to know that many of us like camping. Are you willing to put up your hand if you like camping? If you actually glamp, put your hand back down again. All right. We're actually not talking about RVs, trailers, motorhomes, buses as big as your house or those kinds of things. We're talking, you know, backpack camping. Remember that one? Canoe camping. The kind of camping where if you have it with you, you carried it physically yourself, not with wheels, okay? That's what we're talking about. Jesus took a camping trip among us. That's what the incarnation is. That's what Jesus coming to this world at Christmas time is all about. Camping is something you do when you go somewhere temporarily, right? Jesus came to live among us for a while. You go camping to really experience somewhere else. So Jesus came from heaven to really experience our somewhere else life in this world. You go there to really experience, to really live there. You're fully immersed, but it's still a temporary shelter. And certainly in our case, you're often pretty glad when you also get to go home. So this tabernacle deal, this camping deal of Christmas, captures a whole bunch of stuff that happened in the story of the Jesus people of Israel, the Old Testament. Abraham was a camper, right? He was a nomad. He traveled from place to place following his flocks, right? He went to Egypt, he came back again, he moved around, he finally settled down and was promised to be able to settle down. The whole people of Israel were campers. They went through the Red Sea, And then they camped, literally, in the wilderness for 40 years. Beat that trip, right? 40 years in the desert camping. And that's when God lived among them, also in a tent. God is a camper. When Jesus comes into the world, especially if you read the Matthew version of it, it's pretty clear that what Jesus is doing is following the same path as the Old Testament people of Israel, right? Jesus is born and comes, born, but then he goes to Egypt and comes out of Egypt, just like the Israelites. Jesus goes into the water where he's baptized. That's a Red Sea experience. And then immediately after his baptism, after going in the water, he goes out into the desert for how long? 40 days to be tempted. He camps out in that situation. Jesus is redoing the camping trip of Israel. He's coming into our world to go, I know what you've gone through. I've experienced your camping experiences best or worst, I'm redoing it. Now, the fun about talking about camping for me is, I have lots of great camping stories and they're really hard to work in a sermon, so you're getting them all today. You're welcome. We once went camping, so we've camped very regularly with two other families, six adults, 12 children, and we are dedicated campers, tenacious campers, also sometimes then known as stupid campers. We have camped for two weeks almost entirely in the rain, when everyone else, the smart people, went home where it's dry. But we stayed. Animals may have died during this trip. I'm not telling any details on that one. We never went back to that campground, of course, for years because that campground was horrible. And then we realized it's probably not the campground it was probably the weather and we went back and we relived our experience on the exact same sites with the exact same people and we had glorious weather and it was a beautiful trip that's what jesus is doing for israel he's reliving their pretty tough camping experience of 40 years in the wilderness and going i'm going to redo that and we're going to do it and redeem it and do it better so this month of advent December, we've been looking at different people who've been camping. Right? In Genesis 3, God comes down in the cool of the evening. And if you camp, you know what the cool of the evening is about. That's when you start a fire. So God was coming down and he was looking for Adam and Eve and they were going to sit around the fire and have a nice chat. Didn't quite work out that way, but he wanted to come and camp among them. And we looked at Jacob. What was Jacob doing when we looked at him? He was camping. Right? He was lying under the stars, using a rock for a pillow for some reason, looking up at the stars, and the heavens open up, and he sees this ladder, this stairway, if you will, right, from heaven where the angels are going up and down. He was camping out, and God shows up. Pastor Brady preached on the transfiguration. And what did Peter say when he saw Moses and Elijah with Jesus? He said, let's make shelters. Anyone want to guess what the right word for shelters is? Brady, do you know what it is? Skene, tabernacle, tent, let's camp out here, is what he said. He had this sense, there was this connection with what was going on there. And then maybe a little more of a stretch, we looked at Daniel in Daniel chapter three, where the three friends get thrown into the blazing furnace and God shows up. He camps out in that fire with them as well. Now Christmas, when Jesus comes, is the most fully clear example of God showing up and camping among us, his people. Jesus moves into our neighborhood and camps out with us. Last night we sang a song with this strange line in it. Lo, he abhors not the virgin's womb. And I heard you all going, yeah, that preaches. Lo, he abhors not the virgin's womb is old English for and he came and camped out among us and he didn't mind. So what they're getting at there is the theology of incarnation, is that God in all his wisdom thought, I'm gonna actually enter into a human being and be born from one. And I don't know if you've really ever thought about this reality, but God was taking a pretty big chance there. The birth rate at that time was reasonably low, let's say. So God goes inside of Mary as this baby and depending on how you work your theology either he just guarantees it works or he actually lived into the reality that this is a dangerous thing that we do just being born lo he abhors not the virgin's womb is really God saying I entered in to that first tent that we all start out in our mother right and I experienced that part with you with all of its dangers and all the possibilities that go with that as well Normally, you get to follow slides. I'm on page two of three now, in case you're wondering and you want to know how long this is going to go. Jesus comes into our world, and he camps among us, and he camps among our messy families. I I have this very distinct memory of camping. Uh, It was just our, our family, our immediate family. And beside us shows up these new people to my congregation at that time. And I knew they were a little bit messy, and I found out while we were camping that they were a very messy family. They had a lot of stuff going on. You know what happens when you're camping, right? You can be in your own building, but everybody hears you. We're talking tents again, not trailers, right? And so their messiness became real and public to us, and that was awkward, right? That was difficult. That's part of the reality of camping that Jesus enters into, right? Because when Jesus camps among us, when he lives here, he hears our stuff, Right? He knows our stories. He understands when we're fighting. And he's part of the reality of all that stuff that comes out when you're hanging around in your messy family. Joseph and Mary were both royalty. They were the line of David. But when you read the story, it's pretty clear they weren't living in a palace, right? Their messy family included the fact that, well, Mary was pregnant in a premarital pregnancy. And so that came with some questions we assume. And so, when they got to Bethlehem, we can also assume that maybe the reason there was no room in the house, it wasn't an inn, by the way, it wasn't a Marriott, it was a tent, right? There's no room in the tent they were all living in. There's not even a pregnant women parking spot there for her. There was room, hey, you guys can go out back and sleep under the stars or with the animals. It wasn't coons and skunks like we deal with, it was domestic animals, but they were put out there because they, Jesus had entered a messy family, our messy family. And then there's the shepherds. What are shepherds? They are continual campers. They're always camping, that's their job, right? Out watching their flocks by night. Watching their flocks by night is code for, they were camping, right? So Jesus comes to these campers and we sometimes or often talk about the shepherds as these lowly people because they were shepherds. But but David was the shepherd king, and Psalm 23 is the Lord is my shepherd. So, there's this funny mix there again of, of God himself coming and saying, I'm gonna hang around with the lowly, God himself saying, I'm gonna camp among you. I'm gonna live in all my glory, also in that space of your simple reality. And then when God moves in and camps in our neighborhood, it quickly becomes a very inclusive neighborhood. In Daniel 2, there's astrologers who Nebuchadnezzar tells, please interpret my dream. And they say, what's your dream? And he says, tell me what my dream is and then interpret my dream. And they go, we can't until Daniel comes and God tells him. Those same astrologers, I think, the same name for them are the Magi, the guys who show up from the east. They follow the star. And and again, God now gives them the right interpretation because they find this Jesus in Bethlehem. And how do they get from the far east over here? They camped, right, because camping is the key to Christmas. They might have had camels, we don't know, but they probably camped along the way. And as you probably know, unless you're in Newfoundland, you can't just camp wherever you want to. There's rules. You're on somebody's space. This tent, by the way, is a donation to my homeless friends, and they will tell you very clearly, you can't just camp wherever you want to. Think about it, what if somebody camped in your front yard? and you didn't know them. That'd be strange. We are a private property kind of a people. We are a space-conscious kind of people. We believe in politics, and we definitely believe in power, right? And so, someone just camping wherever they want to, that becomes an issue, and so it is. When Jesus comes and camps in Herod's neighborhood, Herod goes, hey, 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 wait a minute, not in my backyard. You're encroaching on my power. And Herod is a nice guy, he always shared, and so when he was upset, he shared his upset and made sure everyone was upset with him. And all Israel became disturbed with him because God, Jesus, was moving into his neighborhood and coming with all that he is. Jesus, if he came into this world at this time, might just take this donation that I've given him for the homeless people and go camp out with them. Because it seems to me that that's what he did. Jesus was a camper, not just in the sense of he liked to go on vacation and camp, not just that he needed to. Jesus was a camper in that he lived as a nomadic person without a home, depending on the support and the handouts of other people the entire time that he did his ministry here among us. Jesus said in Matthew 25, whatever you do to the least of these, you do to me. So when Jesus invites us to come and see him and to worship him, he invites us to go live in a tent and hang around with the people who are on the fringes and the edges, the people who might not be able to afford the things that we think we should all be able to afford. Jesus comes and camps among his people, even the lowliest of us people. The Word became flesh and made its dwelling among us. And we've seen his glory, his one of a kind glory, generous inside and out and true from start to finish. When Jesus shows us his glory and his truth, that truth has always lived in a loving and generous and beautifully peaceful way. The great mystery or miracle of God himself actually coming and living in the messiness of our worlds is that also God's incredible truth, his powerful truth comes and lives in a generous and calm and gracious manner. And so when we come to worship this Jesus, He calls us to say, you too are living in a tent. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians, we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house. What Paul is saying to us is, you're also campers, whether you like it or not. You're also people who are dwelling here temporarily. And the best best way to dwell here temporarily is watch Jesus, watch the way he camped out among us, watch the way that he was generous and gracious, follow His way, His way of being, His way of loving, His way of recognizing that His body was a tabernacle, it was a tent for God, right? And watch His way of saying, I come to you as one who is gentle among you. You know, we have this campsite, this life, for a limited time, that's always the deal. Sign up with Ontario Provincial Parks, right? You get seven days or 14 days or whatever, depending on where you're going. And these flimsy tents that we call bodies, they have a expiration date to them. And so God says, as I've come into your world, I've experienced your frailty. I've experienced the fact that there's limits to this whole journey. And I want to show you what's the best way to walk this world. Because Jesus says, follow me, follow me on the way. And the way is this, to love each other deeply, to worship God as fully as we can, to enter into the campsites we've been given, the temporary stay we have in such a way that we leave it more beautiful, more true, more cared for, more loving than when we first got here. Following Jesus is about saying, Jesus, you're the best gift I could ever receive. Your life is a life that allows me to live in a way that blesses others and allows them to also live in peace. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for coming and hanging out among us, and on this celebration of that day, we want to thank you for the gifts that you are to us. We pray, Lord Jesus, that each of us may prepare room in our hearts to receive you, that we may connect with you, that we we may become aware that you sometimes want us to hang out in places that we're a little less comfortable being. And so we pray that we could also trust you, we could follow you, we could receive from you all that we need, that we can also honor you by meeting you in the least of these each step of the way. This we pray, Jesus, in your holy name. Amen.